0: Richie. Maybe on Walker. Pew. Pew! That'll do it! That will do it! Pew for Bournemouth. The roof of the gold sands is raised! Everyone here knows what that could mean to this football club.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Lockdown Interviews. My name's Sam Davis. This is Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. This global pandemic is still going on, but what it's enabled us to do is to bring some cherry stories to your eyes and ears via the Lockdown Interviews. Players, managers, and press that have always been at the heart of the cherry action, whether it's recently or back in the day. Now, if you want to watch these interviews, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's free and it's youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. And if you're listening on a podcast app, you can actually scroll back and listen to every single interview that we've done in full as well. Now, coming up in the next seven days, we're going to be bringing you a 75-minute interview with former Cherries manager Kevin Bond. It's an absorbing lesson, and once again, if you want to watch that, you can do so on our YouTube channel. So who's on this episode? Well, we're absolutely delighted to be able to chat to the current manager of AFCB, Jason Tindall. It's an opportunity that not many podcasts or fan channels get to do, so I was delighted to get involved and put questions to the gaffer. The chat was organised by Cherry's Trust. So it was Tom Jordan that represented the podcast. You'll have heard him on recent shows, I'm absolutely certain and definitely seen him on the YouTube channel, but also Mark Dean, the chairperson of Cherry's Trust, and Peter Ive, one of the board members. Cherry's Trust works to provide a voice for all AFC Bournemouth fans. Things like this wouldn't have been possible without them, and the more people on board with the Cherry's Trust, the stronger they can be. So you can sign up for free at afcbpodcast.com forward slash trust. So, for now, settle back and enjoy this interview where we spend an hour in the company of the current AFC Bournemouth manager, Jason Tyndall. And the first question is from Mark Dean.
0: What's the best and worst things, Jason, about being a manager since you were appointed?
2: I think the obvious is... Yeah, the best is obviously when... You win a game, I don't think there's any better feeling for uh, for a player or, or certainly myself when, when you win the game. That winning feeling I think is is probably the best feeling and you see all the work and preparations that have gone on during the week uh, come together and you end up getting the result that that obviously you want. And the worst feeling, that there's no worse feeling than, than when things go wrong and you lose the game. I think that's that stays with you until the next performance.
0: Do you think the Sheffield Wednesday result was an awakening for some in the squad?
2: I think so. I think sometimes I think there was a lot of talk about us being unbeaten. And I think sometimes that can have a negative effect in the sense that you know, a, a draw can be seen as okay because you're still unbeaten. And that's ultimately, it's not, you know, we want to win every game. We, we want to try and win every game that we play. Uh, I think it was in the sense, it was probably, it was the quickest turnaround in games that that, that we'd had. Uh, and I think in some senses, when we reflect back on the, on the performances, it, it, it wasn't, you know what what was expected of ourselves the demands that we put on ourselves and the level of performance I, I felt we slipped below that night uh and it was about putting that right against birmingham by going out and delivering a good performance and you know well, that happened yeah, yeah. It happened yes. and you know we went there and uh, i think we needed to off the back of a disappointing result against sheffield wednesday and i certainly think we did that
0: just one more part to this question jason it's nine o'clock in the morning, or whatever time you get yourself into the office. What's the first thing you do each day?
2: Oh, uh, I'm in a lot earlier than that. Uh, but uh, just sit down and, you know, Purty sort of uh, uh, come in and, and we'll sit down. And the, the first thing is that we just start really preparing and, and finalising the day in the sense of, uh, of training uh we'd have an idea of what we're doing sort of almost the evening before uh before we go home we sort of almost wrap up of uh of the day and uh, and start thinking about the next day what we need to do uh, in preparation for the game and and then we'll come in first thing in the morning and we'll just sort of almost finalize everything and allow it all out and let the the coaching staff know what what's happening and, and what's going on what needs to be set up Cool,
0: thank you. I'll move on to question two, and this is uh, quite a good little question actually. Um, and I think this is coming from back of the neck, Tom. Um, what influence has Grain Jones had
2: so far? He's been a he's been a good addition, Graham. Uh, when when I when I got the job, uh, I think it was important for me to I wanted to almost bring someone in that uh, had experience it at different levels. Uh, certainly, sort of recent experience, if possible, in the championship. And I didn't want it to be anyone that sort of uh, I knew too well, if that makes sense. And I didn't want to just take the easy option and go and bring someone in that's been at a football club for so long or a friend from somewhere else and
3: yeah.
2: and coming. I wanted to. Th- that I wanted to bring someone in that I feel would would maybe add something to to me and to the other coaches that are here at the football club and and bring a wealth of experience that I think would help the players and and Graham's done that in the sense is the experience he's got is you know he from from when he was with Roberto at Swansea right the way through sort of his managerial career and then Belgium at the World Cup and then he obviously had a a difficult time at Luton when he was when he was manager there, but it was a a, a bit experience for him all the same. But you know it, him and Perchy. Perchy is is someone that I think has been been excellent really. He's, he's been very good for me. I obviously I was assistant for so long and and know what the job entails and 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 how difficult that can be at times. And and I got to say Perchy's been. Been brilliant, and adding Graham Jones to sort of the mix of, of the three of us, I think, is is proved to you know to, to be good so far. Yeah,
4: um, Jason, it's been obviously apart from the last game against Birmingham, where we went to the four. A lot of people have talked about this, you know, the kind of three at the back in the new system, yeah. um, which has obviously been implemented by yourself since you come in. Is that something? Has that been a system that you've always liked, or is it more of a once you've looked at your the playing players you have available to you, you thought that was the best way to go? And is it something that you like going forward, or do you always feel like you want to adapt on a game
2: by game basis? It's funny because you know I, when I when I first I, I, I like I've always liked the system with three at the back. Uh, no more so really though than than I like four three three or sort of four two three one. Uh, but it was, in a lot of sense, we, we played Benfica and we was uh, we was four three three that day. That was you know my my first sort of priority uh, I think I saw or my favoured formation at the time was was four three three. Looked at against Benfica, we changed to the three and and then with the players that we had available, uh, with the players that we had available to us, and it was it was about almost trying to get. Sort almost your best players in in their best positions, I felt, and and we we played that way against West Ham. Felt that was the right way to to play that game, and and against West Ham that day, we, we was excellent within that system. We we played really really well. Uh, a lot of things seemed to click that that we'd sort of done on the training ground, and and we had a bit of joy from it. And then obviously we carried that into the opening sort of games against Blackburn. Uh, Blackburn, Middlesbrough and, and Norwich and started the season well playing that way. We, we looked solid. Uh, obviously, we could see a lot of goals the, the past few seasons. So we, we needed to make sure that we needed to be a little bit more solid whilst not sort of losing too much from our uh, from going forward and, and attacking. Uh, but again, it... I changed to a four against Birmingham because in the previous game I didn't think we we created as, as many chances I would have liked us to create, and and I felt that was the best system to to play against Birmingham to to cause them the most problems, and you know I, I felt we played the four three three sort of very well against Birmingham, so it's not I'm not a three at the back and that's what we're going to be sort of moving forward I'm I'm flexible within it whether I start with a three and, and would have no problems changing to a four in a game or or vice versa.
4: Yeah, another one I've got here that a lot of people have asked which I think is quite an interesting one It's jumping forward a little bit but in terms of like the January transfer window is it something because we've got you know a really good squad at this level is it something that you more fear the window rather or do you think it's a good opportunity to maybe bolster if we need to or are you more fearful of it that if we've got some players performing, then Premier League clubs might sniff around and things like that?
2: I think first and foremost, when any transfer window opens, you, you the most important thing is that you try and keep hold of your best players or the players that are performing, uh, the players that are, that, that, that are performing well for you at, at the time. You know, you don't want to lose any of your best players and, and the players that are important to the team. So I think that's the main priority whenever any transfer window sort of opens. And there's always speculation about players that can be unsettling and can sort of almost affect performance levels. Uh, In terms of strengthening the squad, we're happy with the squad that we've currently got, uh, but always trying to improve the team wherever we can, if that's possible, I know the January transfer window is probably the most difficult out of all of them because not many teams want to lose lose their better players, and the better players are the ones that you're going to be wanting to sign. So uh, it's a difficult market, really. But and then a lot depends what your squad's health is like, sort of coming up into January. If all of a sudden you pick up four or five sort of injuries to, to key players, and you think they're going to be out for some time, that you know, you need to act and try and do something and uh, that sort of changes things. But if everybody's fit, then certainly wouldn't necessarily think we're desperate to bring in players. Be more so the other way is that, you know what, we can't lose any of these players.
4: Yeah, great. Um, yeah, Peter, I'll pass to you if you've got a couple of questions.
3: OK. Um, since since your promotion to manager, have you had to change your communication style with the players since you become the gapper?
2: Uh, Do you know what, PJ? It it was something, and again, when when I was appointed as manager, I I sort of, uh, I said to myself, I can't change. I was never, I never allowed myself to get really close to the players during my time as assistant manager, because I don't think that's healthy, uh, where you sort of almost become their friend i don't think that's healthy as a as a manager or as an assistant manager but i've always had a good relationship with with all the players and you know can sit down and, and, and talk to sort of all of them in a in a way whether it be related to football or, or on a personal level uh, and I, and I, and i think it's important that i don't change now i'm manager i, I can't all of a sudden now change and try and become someone different to who I am Uh, because I think the second you try and then change or be this different person all of a sudden you think yeah I've got to communicate with people differently because now I've got a little bit more power so to speak or they see me as this different person I think you then become someone that you're who you're not really and, and and I don't want that I want to be myself and I'm not afraid to make any any decision or you know, give people a I'd say a, a bollocking if, if, if they need to, if I feel they're they're sort of not towing the line in the right way, or at the same time to sit down with them and, and have a cup of tea and and talk about family and talk about other things away from football.
3: Right. And has has the pressure of hitting the ground running with the new job, proving yourself, has that been different with an empty stadium?
2: Uh it's been it's been different. It's something that we've had to get used to, obviously, with what happened in March and then coming back for the, the remaining games of the Premier League last year. You know, I think initially it was strange going into these sort of big stadiums and there's there's no fans there and that, you know, because the fans do create a really good vibe and atmosphere to 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 a match day and certainly missed it. Uh, and at the same time, you know that whether it be on the live stream or whether it be sort of following it in in a different way, you, you know, the fans are, are there sort of watching and supporting you from afar. So, you know, the, the pressure is always there to to do well and, and to, you know, and, and to perform and, you know, sort of, I'm aware of it. I'm sure the players are aware of it. And, you know, we don't want to let ourselves down. We don't want to let the fans down. But, you know really do miss having having sort of certainly your home fans. You do miss your home fans not being there sort of following you and sort of getting behind you because I do think they make a difference.
0: We've seen lots in the media, Jason, about the schedule and the season potentially causing uh, lots of soft tissue injuries to players. Um, coaches obviously use rotation on a match day to help avoid those injuries. Have you had to reduce the intensity of training to reduce the risk of such injuries?
2: That's a question from Gavin Peacock's Gillette <laughs> um, had to had to be aware of it I, I think first of all obviously with the with the news that's just come through about you know we're allowed nine substitutes now and uh, you know you can make five five subs in in a game so I think that's going to help you know, every team I think in the championships that we're moving forward I think that, that that will make a difference and and help prevent injuries with the with the quick turnaround that we had from the season ending last year to, to the start of this season, I think it was a little bit difficult and and had to be sort of mindful of of that. Uh, and you know, see probably more squad rotation in than would have liked in an ideal world, but due to the physical demands on the players and how they was feeling sort of after games and with all the tests and stuff and blood that we that we do here to, to give us a better idea of where players are at physically. So it was almost forced to make some of them decisions to almost stop them getting injured and stop losing players for, for a period of time. But I think now 11 games into the season, I think, you know, everyone's in a good place where they need to be physically and, you know, the demand I think is still going to be tough, but I don't think it will be as damaging sort of 11 games in as it was maybe four or five games in. Okay. Um, who do you see as the
0: main rivals for promotion? Um, it's a pretty obvious answer of sort of Norwich and Watford, um, as in the ones that came down with us. Um, so if you were a betting man, who would you put my money on?
2: <laughs> if it was not Watford, Bournemouth or Norwich? Uh... Yeah. <sighs> Uh, do you know what? I, uh, from what I've seen, from what I've seen of Swansea, I think Swansea started the season well. I, I quite like what I've seen of Swansea. I think they're a good side, and I think they'll have a good year this year. They're they're a team that was obviously in the Premier League for some time a while ago, and and they've always been there or thereabouts. So I think Swansea will be a team that will be there or thereabouts. I think come the end of the season, other than as you say, the obvious, you know, Watford and Norwich, they've still got. Really, really good squads. You know, I don't think either of them teams. I think Norwich obviously lost Godfrey sort of late in the last window, but neither of them teams lost anywhere near the amount of players that we did. I don't think they lost any players in the last window. Uh, so both Norwich and Watford are still very, very strong this year.
0: So are we though, Jay, I think I think our squad, as you said, you're very pleased with our squad, and I think it's safe to say that our squad is a bunch of very good, quality players.
2: Yeah, no, uh, we, we've, got, we've got some very, very good individuals, uh, individual players. We've got a great crop of young players coming through now uh, that we're starting to see sort of perform well consistently. Uh, and you know what? And, and even the younger ones that have been introduced to the squad, the likes of Jaden Anthony is Nandy, Gav Kilkenny and, and Jordan Zamora. I think, again, now being able to have nine substitutes on the bench, I think we'll fast track and 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 help the younger guys now sort of almost coming through uh so i think you know ourselves what for Norwich. i think on paper i think would have the three strongest squads in the division without a doubt
3: with the likes of kilkenny and and surridge and oh four i'm not even sure how you say before
2: <laughs> right
3: um, with them coming through were you frustrated that you didn't
2: make any permanent signings in the last
3: transfer window. No, yeah. did, did, did you have confidence knowing those they were coming into the
2: squad? Yeah, I, I did, and 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 I've always I always sort of said in whenever I was asked this type of question before, I was always adamant that would never just want to bring in players just to add numbers to the group because I think it gives you more problems, and and I don't think that's the right way of operating. Want to bring players in that. That feel will will have an impact at some point throughout the season. That 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 will make a difference. Uh, we wasn't able to bring bring anyone in on a permanent basis. That you know, one that we could bring in, and secondly, that was was good enough to make a difference. And the two boys that that we signed in in Cam and, and Roro, I think, will will prove to be sort of very good signings for us. Uh, you know, come the end of the season.
3: Is Cameron far away from featuring?
2: Or? No, he's he Cameron. He's been in he's been in every squad. Cameron, uh, he's been in every squad, and you know he. I've been really when he first came, he he was short on, he, he was short on sort of almost fitness where he hadn't played since pre sort of when he was at Tottenham, and uh, and felt he needed. Needed quite a bit of work when he when he came in to get him up to speed, but the last couple of weeks been really pleased with him. And he, he, funny, he ended up rolling his ankle a couple of days ago, so he's he's one that I think potentially might be out for for two or three weeks, just waiting on scan results to come back from that. But he might be one that might be out for a few weeks now. But he, he's certainly a player now that if all of a sudden I lost Chris Meppen and Steve Cook, would would I be afraid to play him, or would I think he's he, he's he's ready, yeah, then, 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 of course. Yeah. Should we
4: pass Tom? Yeah, um, I was going to say, Jason, when uh, Mark mentioned there about the teams that come down with us, was that probably your, your first thing you had to do as a manager? Did you have to, did you feel you had to pick the players up? Because obviously they've just got relegated or did you feel the group were just ready to, to bounce back? Or what was that quite uh quite difficult to manage when you first come in, that was your first kind of thing you had to do as a, as a manager?
2: Yeah, that 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 was that was the first thing. Uh, that was probably the the hardest thing to to do. One, there was a a lot of disappointment. You know, all the all the players that have that was at the football club. They they want to play in the Premier League, uh, and they lose, losing. You know, getting relegated last year and losing the Premier League status. I, I think really affected everybody here. It wasn't just the players. It was you know, a lot of the staff seeing, seen, you know, a, a lot of people lose their jobs it also sort of at the football club as a consequence of that. And I think, you know, it had a big effect uh, and you could see that. And not only that, obviously losing the manager as well would have, you know, been, been strange to, to a lot of the players. And then my appointment, whenever a new manager's appointment, there's always question marks from 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 them and from from everybody is to to what things are going to be like. So I think everything mixed in the pot together. It was, you know, the first couple of weeks was about, you know, just trying. To, you know, certainly for me, it was about assessing assessing the squad, see where they are, and and then almost sitting down and and, and talking to to individuals or or team meetings to to try and. You know, sort of lift them back up and uh, and get them thinking about now and uh, and moving forward. And you know, sort of we can't affect what's happened in the past. It's about what what we do now and, and moving forward. And and I think that was the early messages to, to the squad. And and then I think we, you know you start the season all right. You you know you sort of you get off to a good start. And I think that then brings back a little bit of confidence because. were players that was used to sort of not winning many games the last year and and i think once you get into that right as we've seen from from a lot of teams in the past it's it's difficult and uh i certainly think that was probably my biggest challenge certainly early on was was trying to lift everybody back up again
4: yeah and in terms of coaching jason i i started watching Bournemouth, for first season ticket was 97-98, so I just managed to see you when you joined the club <laughs> as a player and um, I think it's fair to say you had a lot of injuries during your playing career and I always wonder, was coaching and management in the future, was that something that you always thought that would be a route you'd take or do you think that injuries and maybe not, you know, kind of elaborate your career as a player because of injuries did that force your hand a little bit and think maybe I should go into the coaching side of it?
2: It did a little bit uh as a kid, I grew up. My, my dad was a, a manager of a Sunday, a Sunday league team, so it was, you know, it wasn't a professional team or, or anything like that. Although he sort of worked at professional clubs when when I got sort of a little bit older, it was. Uh, so whether that was had a little bit of interest in in it through through that, or you know, my hand was forced to to a point with retiring early. But even when I was a player, I set up a. Uh, sort of a, a football academy, just because I enjoyed, you know, sort of why I couldn't play. Sort of, a, I wanted to to try and yeah, set something up where where I was still doing doing football and and preparing maybe maybe for for what might happen in the future. And I had an academy and was coaching and you know it was kids, but I, I really enjoyed it. And then when the injuries come around, it, it sort of almost makes you take sort of stock and and think well what do you want to do and where I loved football and have been involved in football for so long and I've enjoyed my coaching experiences albeit with with kids at the time uh, it was something that that I was passionate about and wanted to do and and I think that's probably you know it's a, in some senses you you say for for every door that that closes another one opens and and that was a little bit. Sort of the case with me, where one door closed, where I had to sort of stop playing again, and another one opened, sort of almost coaching, all that it was unexpected.
3: How much would you say the experience of managing Weymouth helped? The fact you've done, you've managed before.
2: Do you know what I, I, the the whole Weymouth thing come? That was wasn't something that I ever thought was was going to happen. It was I was retired at the time and. Uh, uh, I'd not played for over a year, and there was a few friends that was playing at Weymouth. The Weymouth manager rung me up and said, "Sort of, what are you doing?" And and I only went there to to train. To if I'm honest, just to keep fit and to be around sort of friends and and the team environment to, to start with. I ended up playing a few games in that at Weymouth, and and then the the, the chairman at the time went bankrupt. All the money sort of come out uh, the football club. Uh, I Pretty much the whole team left. Weymouth at the time that was there, the, the whole current squad all left and went on to different teams. And and the manager left and the chairman at the time said, you know, can, can you take the team? And it was like, you know, it was a big surprise to me because <laughs> I went there just to enjoy my time and, and play. And, and that's how that come about. But it, it taught me a lot. Uh, you know, it taught me a lot in, in, in the sense of, you know, what you had to do and what was expected. But I'd say I learned a lot more from the mistakes I made at Weymouth that ultimately, it, I wouldn't say it helped me now because I'd say, you know, a, lot, a lot's happened. You know, that was so many years ago now and with the experiences that I've had since then is, is helped me sort of more so now. But I think it helped me uh, and, and I'd say it sort of, it helped me pass on the advice and the things that I learned from the experience and the things that i had done that didn't work and made sure that Ed didn't make them same mistakes as what I made, uh, when he first got the job here at Bournemouth, because when it's your first job and, and you are sort of a little bit new to it, and sometimes you can react. And like I did at the time, you, you make decisions based on your emotions and, uh, and, and then you sort of, when you come away from it, you realise that, you know, you should have done that and you sort of acted on how you was feeling rather than what was right. And, and I think initially, I think that helped sort of almost Ed's early sort of uh, start to management here at Bournemouth.
0: Um,
2: Dom Solanke,
0: 20 goals or 10 assists?
2: You know, I, I've got to say, I'm I'm been really really pleased with with Dom's uh, performances for for the team. Uh, I don't think he's I don't think he's got the number of goals that he should have had this year. But you know, but he, he's been there to you know he's been there and unfortunately his woodwork or keepers pulled off saves or missed chances that you know I think Dom should probably have maybe more goals. Uh, this year, but I've been absolutely delighted with his performances and I still think that he can achieve both. I think he's already got a a number of assists. Uh, And I honestly do believe with Dom. I think if he, once he sort of almost scores two or three sort of consecutive goals, I think he'll just fly and he'll go on a run where he'll just keep, keep, where he'll just keep scoring. I, I, I do. Uh, I believe in him so much. I think he's he's a a great talent and and such a a really good team team player.
0: When we last played in the Championship, we had a really good blend of partnerships all over the field. Um, I don't think it's fair to name the names because a lot of them now play for other teams. Um, What special qualities does the current squad have to achieve promotion back to the EPL? And that's from Jamie Williams.
2: I think there's... I think we're, we're we're fortunate where we're in the sense that we've got some really good individuals, as we've already seen sort of this season, where the likes of Dan Juma, where you know they and David Brooks, that where they can just produce a moment of brilliance and uh, and almost a bit like a lot of teams in the Premier League, where all of a sudden don't look like scoring a goal, one of these players pops up with with a, with a bit of magic and 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 sort of wins you the game. Uh, so I think we've got uh, a couple more of them players than than we had uh, at that time. We've got a really good team spirit, which I think is so important to, to any team success. I remember the team that got promoted from the Championship that year, although I, I totally agree, had really good partnerships, the likes of Mark Pugh and Charlie Daniels, Matt Ritchie, Simon Francis, Art, Randy Sermon, Jan Kermigan and Cowan. and... and, and so the partnerships within that championship team was, was excellent. Uh, I believe that as this team sort of plays together uh, more often, I think then partnerships will, will start to thrive. I think, you know, we see that in Birmingham, Jack Stacey and David Brooks, I think the way they was sort of combining linking together down the right hand side was, you know, a little bit of of old with a Matt Richie and Simon Francis in some senses. So, uh, I think with the individual quality that we've got and, and players that can win you a game through through that and, and the team spirit, I think, is, is two real sort of in good ingredients that you need to get promoted from any division. I think we've got that. Just one thing on
0: that, and this is another question. Sorry, guys, if I'm jumping in here, but Lerma and um, Cook have kind of switched around. Lerma playing a more advanced role and Cook playing back a bit. Yeah. Is that something it just happened? Or is it something you saw and thought, Do you know what, let's give this a go? Or is it just the team that Lerma was saying if you want to go forward a bit further, you can, as long as there's somebody else holding right, holding back a little bit?
2: It's something that I've that I've thought for a while in terms of you know, I think one of Jeff's biggest what it is for me is, is his ability to press, the ability to win the ball back, and and his desire and you know to to get in and around the box and score goals. And I think when when you're a six or when you're playing a little bit deeper, it's more difficult to to show them strengths. Whereas I feel Lewis Cook almost has different strengths where he he can see a pass, he can see a pass quickly from deeper. Uh, you know, he drives with the ball very well from from deeper positions and uh, and he's quite creative. And it was something that I thought for a while, it was something that I wanted to have a look at. And, and the more I see, the more I liked. And, you know, I think both of them are, uh, you know, are developing into their new respective roles sort of almost very well, I think.
3: Free kicks. Yes. Who's taken them and where from? Is that all sorted out before the game? If um, you left instructions, or is how, how much carte blanche have they got actually out on the pitch as to who's going to take it?
2: Do you know what? I, I think with, with wide free kicks, with central free kicks, there's normally it's, it's Diego. Diego's always one that's historically always been on wide free kicks and 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 it's, it's had good delivery for us sort of since the time he's been here although you know Diego would be the first one to admit his delivery ain't quite been what what it was in you know certainly what it was previously and it's something that he's working on to improve. But uh, it won't be anyone can take it. There, there'll be a group of maybe two or three players that will you know, we'll stand over the ball and then they will discuss it and try and make the best footballing decision as to who should should take it at the time. Something we, we spoke about last week, because we've had a lot of central free kicks, especially uh, in really good areas where, where we haven't hit the target, we've hit the wall. And that's been a little bit frustrating. The guys do do practice and, uh, on the training ground and Unfortunately, you know, on the training ground, you probably get to practice 10, 15, 20 times uh, and then might score sort of five or six within them 20. But on, on, on a match day, you might get one opportunity and you've got to try and make that opportunity count. And unfortunately for us, we haven't sort of made the most of them, them opportunities so far this season. But it's, it's an area that, that we know we need to improve. It's, it's been a successful area for us in the past.
4: I was going to ask Jason, um, with COVID and all the games at the moment, it must be difficult. I appreciate that. But a lot of people have asked, what's Jason Tindall's hobbies away from football? How do you unwind? Because you must just literally be waking up thinking about football all the time. So how do you
2: unwind? Yeah, it's, it's the demands of the job, but even in the sense that the hours and the amount of time you're thinking about football, it don't really change in the sense that from from when I was assistant manager, you, you're still thinking constantly about uh, about about the game and, and reflecting on results and performances and and stuff. But I think it's important that when you do come away, you know, when you you know, because you spend so much time here at work, and you know, when you do go home, I think it's it's only right that you do try and switch off uh, for a period of time and and enjoy that sort of time with. Your family. I got two young kids, and I don't think it would be fair on them if I almost uh, took my work home and didn't really give them the attention that I feel that they deserve from from a father. So, a lot of my time away from football is is devoted to my to my kids. Uh, my son plays football, and so whenever he's got training, sort of, uh, I'll take him to training, watch his matches, watch his training, and you know, just go home and just do, do what what a dad would do. That's that's got kids and try and be there for them as much as I can. Unfortunately, I'm not in. Well, I haven't. I don't feel I get the time to play golf or or watch any kind of horse racing or anything like that on TV and and have any other hobbies. It's one I feel I would feel guilty if I was to spend four hours on a golf course when I've got me kids at home that would want my time and want to do stuff and. It's just trying to get that balance right, but that, thats my main real hobbies away from here is, is the family.
4: Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I also uh, alluded to when you were playing, and there's kind of younger fans, and I've got a younger brother and things like that. And they asked me, "What was um, what was Jason like as a player? Where did he play stuff like that?" And I always say, "But he was a good centre the half. that was also a good centre midfielder. I also remember playing up front quite a lot. Yeah. So where where would you say was your position on a football pitch? Because I still don't know. You seem to play
2: everywhere. Still don't know." <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you know why? it's it's a strange one because and and it happened even when i was a kid as, as a kid coming through and my my younger time up until I was probably about i think thirteen years old uh I was always a striker mm-hmm. uh and as a kid i I'd done well as a as a striker and uh happened to, to score a lot of goals. And then when I went through a, a growth spurt when I was a, a kid, it sort of almost uh, changed the dynamics in my body and uh, I lost probably a yard or two yards of, of speed. And, and then I ended up moving back into midfield uh, and then got quite settled as a centre midfielder. And then we got a couple of injuries in, in defence and I ended up then filling in for a centre half and stayed there for a bit of time. And then it sort of almost that, Almost is the way my, my career ended up going. It was I'd play centre-half, sort of five or six games, and then maybe move into midfield and move as a striker. I, I preferred midfield if as a player because I think you're involved in the game a lot more, uh, and that's what I enjoyed. Obviously, when I was younger, I enjoyed the striker because I liked scoring goals, but as I got older, I preferred midfield
4: we always remember your last performance anyway Jason so Beat uh, me to it, Tom. that's all yeah exactly that's <laughs> all that matters if, if Adam Smith and Jack Stacey were to get some bad injuries would we see you again at right back
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and well, punting one up the pitch for yeah. Mark Mosley to cut inside and score
4: <laughs> don't write yourself off I think you should still be available if needed I just hit it I think we all were
0: Jason weren't we
2: it was a great pass I just see the run out of corner of my eye that bit
0: of dust that was going across there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've got five Christmas cards you're going to send Ooh. in no particular order so no one's favourites here who are you going to send them to
2: who am I going to send them to your wife and two kids would be on the list but I don't normally send them one uh five christmas cards what, what anyone what in football or just anyone in
3: in
0: football
2: just, there's, football. Oh, uh, there's well, no
0: one to five it's just five people
2: yeah no. I have people that if I was to send cards to uh would probably be the ex-players that are no longer here, the likes of, obviously, you got Mark Pugh, you've got Charlie Daniels, yeah, Andrew Sermon, uh, I know because still sort of keep in touch with, with them guys, and I think uh, I'd say I've got a better relationship with them than, than I would do. You know, i got good relationships with a lot of managers, but I, it's difficult. You, I wouldn't sort of class any manager as, as a good friend. Uh but acquaintances acquaintances yeah uh, sort of likes of people like mark Pugh, who, 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 who Charlie Daniels and, and Andrew sermon who've who done so well for the football club I had a really good relationship with them and uh, that must have been hard to let them go yeah it was yeah it was really difficult to 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 let them go when they've done what they've done for the football club and, and been such great servants it it was it was tough it's difficult but Unfortunately it is just one of them things that you know, it catches up when you and uh and, and the guys had to sort of you know make their own way in terms of where they wanted to go and what they wanted to do next. It's good that all three now have got um contracts.
0: We obviously with yeah. Sir's getting MK Dons yesterday was announced. Yeah. Um and uh Chaz and Pew being at um Truth. Truth. so they've, all, they've both got, all three, all three of them have all got really good clubs they've gone to.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really pleased for him because it's, Charlie's one was difficult, obviously he had a, a and I know because I've been in a similar situation myself, when you're out for so long with such a bad injury, it's it's horrible and and it's so difficult to get yourself back up to speed. Uh, and then way you can do that is by playing games consistently and I think Shrewsby's gave him that opportunity and, and Mark Pugh's just a great lad in in, in every way and, he, you know, he, he don't wish bad on anyone and you just want people like that to go on and do well So, uh, and I took a phone call from Sirs the other night saying he was going to MK Don so I was delighted for him for that as well Yeah, no, the
0: thing is with Pugh he wasn't just um, a good servant to the club he was a good ambassador for the yeah. club as well um, yeah. Yeah, you could say the same about Sirs as well, and and especially Ch- Chaz during his injured time, all doing stuff with community football and yeah. representing the club out there. You know, it's they're
2: brilliant. Yeah, no, uh, I I agree. Yeah, there was. I say uh, being a good player is one thing, I think, but but being a good person is is another thing, and I think they was they was both. They was uh, I don't know this you you, you would players that you would never have to worry about that you know they would come in and they would give their best every single day no matter what and you know they were honest. yeah we would be respectful to, to anyone that come in the building whether they've known them 10 years or, or whether they've known them 2 minutes so I think they would really reflect the club in a good light so uh, you know hopefully them, them guys go on and you know, write another chapter in their career now
4: I was just going to say quickly, Jason, we uh, we alluded to the fact that obviously we didn't bring any players in permanently. But I think it's fair to say it feels almost like Asmir Begovic has been like a new signing. And wow. what, what kind of, he's I mean, he's been unbelievable. And awesome. what kind of does that show about his, his character, the fact that he, you know, been, he'd been on a few different loans. And was he someone that you thought when he comes back in, he's going to be my number one, he's a brilliant goalkeeper, or were you more pleasantly surprised with his reaction and how he knuckled down and fought for the jersey
2: you know what well, i think there's there's been no doubt in Asmir is a goalkeeper for, for for me for i don't think you have the career that he's had if you if you're not a good goalkeeper listen you might go through and and every player experience you know, i suppose every, every regardless of whatever job you're doing i think everyone goes through a dip in form or you know, certain things might affect the way they work or their performance. And I think uh, as we had a great time at Stoke and then, you know, got his move to Chelsea. And yeah, fortunately for him, he, he got a, a Premier League winner's medal. But for whatever reason, his first spell here, you know, back here didn't quite work out maybe the way that he would have liked it to worked out. Uh, and he felt it was best that that he went and got different experiences. and He went out on loan, had a couple of loan spells, and I think even going, uh, it was, what was the club he went to for Carabag? The Carabag, when he went yeah. to Carabag, uh, you know, I think to go to, 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 to a club like Carabag just to play football, I think it says a lot about your character, uh, alone. And obviously, he had the AC Milan experience. So, so for me, it was... Asmi is always a good goalkeeper. And not only is As a good goalkeeper, he's, he's such a great... it's such a great character to have in, in the change room. And that was important for me because we've got a lot of young players. Uh, and we've lost some... You know, we've lost a lot of experienced players uh, that was good character. So, you know, to have a character like ours, As, is well as presence like ours because he's a big guy, he's, he's a big presence and and his leadership is is second to none, sort of in the changing room on a, day, a day-to-day basis and players respect him. He speaks very well when, when he has to. Uh, so I think yeah, I've been delighted with, with his performance. Obviously, I didn't have in my head that Azmir was going to be number one when he come back. I hadn't seen him sort of on a day-to-day basis for so long where he was at AC Milan and where he had his loan spells but you know I wanted him back here uh, and I wanted him competing to be the goalkeeper uh, to be to be number one and and ultimately uh, I have to pick who I feel is, is performing the best it, at the time and who I feel is going to be the best goalkeeper for the team and, and asmi took his opportunity and he's, done, he's he's done very well since he's been back in the team so I've been delighted with him.
0: I think if say Jason that the fans were probably going to be 100% behind you on that statement uh, it also almost feels like Asmir's been part of the squad the whole time he just seems to have come back and just as said got on with it molded back into the squad so well yeah. um you know we all know that his contract's up for the end of this season we're not going to ask you to comment on that I wouldn't put you in that position Jason but I think it would be hoped that maybe uh, Asmir would consider staying at the club again after this season.
2: All I can say is, you know, Asmir is in a in a real happy place. You know, he'd be the first one to to admit that. Now he obviously he was he wasn't so happy not so long ago because of how things was going for him. But you know, certainly, sort of since he's he's been back in my time, his manager is is in a really good place. He's training. He's training. Uh, excellent every single day you know you've seen him make make big saves in training every day and and again he's delivering consistent performances when he's playing so uh i think if you asked asmir is he happy here at Bournemouth uh, you know i know what the answer would be because it's reflecting in, in 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 what i'm seeing on a day-to-day basis and uh and hopefully if he continues performing the way he is and we've got an opportunity to keep him then and then I'm sure we'd love to.
4: Um, I was going to say briefly, Jason, I'm not expecting you to obviously discuss team news or anything like that, but how difficult is it? I saw last night Jefferson Lerma's playing in Ecuador and you think we've got a game on, on Saturday early kickoff. How, you know, I'm not, don't expect you to comment on whether he'll be available, but how difficult is that? And obviously Jefferson's an easy one to say because of the travel time, but he also had that hamstring pull yeah. not long ago. How hard is that? Do you, do you have any kind of, uh, correspondence with the international managers and things like that. How far does it go in terms of how fit they are and what you want, how long you want them to play, and et cetera, et cetera?
2: Uh, Don't don't have any. Uh, don't don't really speak to the managers unless I feel I need to or uh, needed to. Spoke to Ryan Giggs before David Brooks went away with Wales. Not this this one. The the one previous to this. Uh, in the sense of you know, where I felt he was and in terms of what minutes I, I felt he sort of needed to have and, and not to sort of overdo it. And to be fair to, to Ryan Giggs, he was he was great and, and took that on board and and listened. Uh but other than that, when when the players are fit and they go away on national duty, you it's difficult to to say to their international managers, I only want him to play This amount of minutes when they've got a big game that they've got to try and qualify for, whatever it may be. So you just keep your fingers crossed and hope that they don't get injured. Again, we've got Chris Mepham and and David Brooks playing in the game tonight, which is not ideal because you know sort of playing Wednesday night when we've got a big game sort of Saturday noon kickoff is is not ideal preparations. But it's the way it is. We can't do anything about it. I'll be watching the game tonight, just hoping that. One, I'll be hoping that they're on the bench and they don't play. But <laughs> but if they do play, that that they don't get injured and you know they come off before before about sixty minutes.
4: I was doing the same last night. I think I think Jeff it. went over an hour before we yeah. come off.
2: Hello,
3: uh,
4: but uh, yeah. I'm just one,
3: just one last question, Jason, based on well, leading on from that, really. Um, I know if I said your strongest team in your head would would vary with form and and but. How frustrating is it? You've got games coming up. Do you ever set yourself targets like the next six games? We want 70 points. I know some managers do it. And with players, you said a while ago about Kelly. Kelly was struggling with the four games in a fortnight. Too, you yeah. know, so you, you put him in, you took him out again. Is that how frustrating is that? Trying to manage in this kind of environment where you've got four games in 14 days or four games in 12 days.
2: It is difficult, uh, and I think that the the issue we've got here is that uh, we've had obviously Dan Juma that was out for for so long uh, with with stress fractures and you know reoccurrence where he wasn't managed in the right way and broke down. We had David Brooks that was out for so long with with his problems and then kept coming back and kept breaking down. Lloyd Kelly the same that. Coming back, breaking down, Junior So We've got a core group of players that, unfortunately, with what's happened in the past and with, with, with their injuries, that are, are vulnerable. It gets to a point where they become sort of very high risk and, and become vulnerable. And as a manager, you don't want that. You, you know, you want to you want to play these players if they're performing well at the time. You want to play them every game and, okay. and, and expect them to deliver. You know their best performance, but then sometimes you you sort of when the alarm bells are ringing. Uh, as I said, it, it's happened to us twice. With one with Lloyd Kelly and one with Jefferson Lerma, where I felt couldn't make the changes at the time uh, due to who we had available, and and ultimately sort of we got a little bit lucky because the nature of their injury wasn't too bad, but it was it was another warning sign uh, as to the potential risk. So it's not ideal. It's something that we we'll have to keep monitoring. Uh, but the consequences I always feel are far greater that you know you risk them for one game, but potentially losing for four or five. It's it's almost just trying to get that that balance right, which is sometimes a little bit difficult depending on the individual. There's other players that you think can just keep going and keep playing that that are very durable and and have no problems. So it's it's something you have to be mindful of.
0: If you had one question, Jason, that you wanted to ask us as fans, what do you think it would be? Because we're going to give you an
2: answer to it as well. So. Oh, uh, <laughs> one question. Yeah. What, 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 so, so what's 11 games in, I'd say, also 11 games in, what's, what's the general consensus of, of what, what you guys are seeing in terms of the team? Well, I've done. Okay. I,
4: if, if, well, I've done a yeah. i done a, on our podcast the back of the net. We actually done because of the international break. We done a video where we done like a grading of the season so far and stuff yeah. like that. And the general consensus seemed to be a B, um, which was results at the end of the day have been have been brilliant. Um, yeah. Like you alluded to, the unbeaten run sometimes can be a bit frustrating because a draw looks better than maybe yeah. it was before the game. But I think everyone's really happy. I think we've mentioned about. Lewis Cook, Lerma, different roles have looked really good. Um, there's been certain times, you know, where the teams look really really good. But then there's also times where we felt we could have performed to a to a yeah. better level on the pitch. Um, a few of the times where I remember Dan Juma scoring late, Roro scoring late, and it was kind of like, well, we got away with that one really, we weren't great. Yeah. But results-wise, we've been brilliant. And I think fourth in the league, I think everyone would have taken it, you know, in the, the start we've had off the back of relegation. But I think everyone's also in the consensus of, but we feel there's more to come from the team, so it's quite exciting in that in that sense. I don't know what you two think. I, th- I think I
3: think most fans. You said earlier on that, that you a huge part of your job at the start was a squad that had been relegated, um, was used to losing every week. I think I think a lot of the fans were worried about that. The fact that i mean we've seen it so many times where teams have gone into the championship and they've just gone straight away through sunderland Portsmouth. you know you yeah. can read them off um yeah i think we all thought we were, we were really too good for that but i think there was a huge worry that the mindset of the players and i i will take my hat off that you have done the job you've done in in turning that rack. and we've now got what what appears to be a very positive bunch of players out there yeah. you
0: know yeah. Jason, if you saw me on um, BBC Radio, uh, BBC TV um, just the evening before our first game at home, uh, and I was interviewed um, as a fan, also as part of Cherry Trust, and the question was about, you know, Eddie here, Eddie that, Eddie's gone, Jason, so he's never managed a, a football league team. What do you think? And my answer was, when Eddie did it, he had no experience. And look at the journey he took us on. And you tell me any reason why Jason can't do the same thing because he also knows the players in the team and the club. And I'll tell you, I said that I had confidence. The confidence is 100% still there. I think so far, you, the players, the club, management behind you and the office staff, everything, everyone's doing the best they can under some very, very unbelievable circumstances. Um, And we'd love to be there now shouting for you. We are at home. Shouting for you, I can assure you. <laughs> um, sadly, we can't be in each other's homes shouting for you, but you know, all I can say is, so far, well done.
4: Yeah, you know, I think I, the gen- I'd I, like to I, just just off on that. I just think the general consensus, Jason, with the fans, is just that it's really nice to be enjoying football again. You know, it's diff- don't get me wrong; it's we were in the Premier League last season. It was difficult, yeah. um, but I think especially after the the kind of the COVID and we come back behind closed doors and it was it was really hard to watch. Sometimes it was you felt that everything was deflated around the place. And it was yeah. it was tough to watch and you know, seeing seeing, you know, Eddie down and things like that it was really hard not being able to be there. And I think it's just been great watching kind of a, a new style, a new team develop and and like you say, that team spirit looks there from the off and um and seeing you get the opportunity, everyone's rooting for you. And uh we might not be there in person, but we are all cheering you on and we're yeah. really enjoying it. So cheers, Jason
2: thanks yeah. I, I really appreciate your 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 time as well uh, you know it, it's good for me that you know to be able to do this and speak to you guys and there's you know, something that you know i I've got no problem doing again in in the future for sure Thank so you. you know thanks for your time and the questions and you know i'm sure well i know you guys are there supporting us from 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 behind your screens and look forward to being able to see you back here again soon
1: brilliant it was so so good to catch up with jt and in terms of the back of the net person to put forward i thought tom jordan the natural football talker i don't think there was anyone better so sterling job tom i thought you did excellently there and it was amazing for us to have access to jt as i said not many fans We'll be able to get access to that via unofficial YouTube channels or podcasts. So we just want to say thank you to Anthony Marshall and the AFCB media team for being so cooperative. And yeah, we were absolutely delighted. And JT's remarks I thought were really refreshing and he was so relaxed as well. A really good watch and listen. Of course, you've been listening to it. If you want to watch, just head over to our YouTube channel. The next episode of the Lockdown Interviews is going to feature Kevin Bond, who was our manager for nine on two seasons, and it was a difficult time for him as Jeff Hayward, Neil Dawson, and Mr. Tiggs will find out as they chat to him. But for now, you've been listening to the lockdown interviews.